For Monday, November 29th, it's the early word from the WNYC Newsroom. I'm Lance Lucky, in for Isaac Davy Aronson, with a look at this morning's top news stories, the day ahead, and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, Mark Garber tells us all bets could be off and 700 jobs lost if Albany doesn't act today to accept the OTB's restructuring plan. And Marianne McCune says Ireland's financial woes will certainly lead to more immigration, just not across the Atlantic, as in Irish crises past. We'll start with the morning's top headlines just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. A massive leak of State Department diplomatic cables and memos is being condemned by the White House and the Pentagon. The release of previously secret papers and documents by online whistleblower WikiLeaks contain nothing explosive but plenty that the Obama administration will find embarrassing. Meanwhile, the Pentagon says it has improved its security procedure since WikiLeaks released thousands of secret war logs earlier this year. The Defense Department says some of its precautions include new rules for using flash drives and other computer storage devices to make it harder for a single person to steal secrets. South Korea's president says he feels deep responsibility for failing to protect his people from a deadly North Korean artillery attack last week. Lee Myung-bak said in a speech to the country that the North will face consequences for future aggression. He did not elaborate during the seven-minute talk. The FBI is investigating arson at the same Islamic center in Oregon, where a man accused of trying to carry out a bomb attack had worshipped. The 19-year-old Somali-born man, Mohammed Osman Mohammed, is accused of trying to blow up a van full of explosives during Portland's Christmas tree lighting ceremony. Nearly all of Haiti's major presidential candidates are calling for today's election results to be voided. Twelve of the 19 candidates for president have endorsed a joint statement denouncing the voting as fraudulent. There are reports that large numbers of voters were turned away from polling stations. European Union nations have agreed on a bailout for Ireland and sketched out new rules for future emergencies. The $113 billion plan was approved at a meeting in Brussels. EU officials say they also agreed on a permanent mechanism that would allow a country to restructure its debts after 2013 once it has been deemed insolvent. State Education Commissioner David Steiner is expected to grant a waiver today for publishing executive Kathy Black to become New York City's next schools chancellor. WNYC's Beth Fertig has more. A high-level source says Steiner will let Black serve as chancellor now that Mayor Bloomberg has agreed to make a longtime educator her second-in-command. Black has no experience in education and needs a waiver from the state for other exceptional qualifications. Bloomberg had argued that she deserved such a waiver based on her 40 years' experience managing media companies. But an advisory panel rejected that line of reasoning last week, and Steiner suggested that Bloomberg add a chief academic officer to work with Black. On Friday, Bloomberg sent a letter to Steiner stating that Black had decided to elevate Deputy Chancellor Shale Polakosaransky to the position. He'll be responsible for instructional programs, educational policies, and testing. 38-year-old Saransky is a 15-year veteran of the school system who taught math and then founded a small high school in the Bronx. Critics of the mayor question how much autonomy he'll really have. For WNYC, I'm Beth Fertig. 
Meanwhile, word of that arrangement is filtering out across the city. Here's what some residents of Sunnyside, Queens, had to say about it. Um, I think having co-chancellors is, is not a good idea, simply because having a school district of this size try to manage it with two people, they'll end up lacking the leadership needed to, to send it in any given direction. If he has experience and they work together as a team, it would be also it would be better on her behalf. You know, obviously she does know what she's doing. She probably doesn't have the most full experience as someone else would have but if she has somebody helping her on the side that can go along with her it's a definitely a go why would they appoint somebody with more expo- experience than she has on a lower level and give her the top job it doesn't make sense only way you fix a problem is you have to go to the rank and file you have to bring people into these jobs that are qualified to handle these jobs city doesn't do that all the time. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's all political. It's all about who's got the power and who wants to run the show. That was Tom Keenan, Drew Randolph, Mara Hopkins, and Brian O'Connor. They're all residents of Sunnyside, Queens, and spoke to WNYC's Arun Venegopal. Elementary schools to colleges are struggling to implement policies against cyberbullying. One challenge is that students often send the offensive emails and texts after hours and off campus. Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance says his office cybercrimes unit has been visiting campuses and community centers to talk about the issue. It's the kind of crime prevention strategies that we are trying to use with, with kids and families to prevent our office from having to be prosecuting uh, kids in the first place. The DA's office says it has no city statistics on cyberbullying, but it cites a UCLA study from two years ago that found nearly three out of four teenagers were bullied online over a 12-month period. A Department of Education spokesman says there's no set punishment for cyberbullying in city schools. Instead, there's a range of actions principals can take, such as parent conferences, counseling, or suspension. There are only a few days remaining for New Yorkers to chime in on proposals to reconnect two Brooklyn neighborhoods severed decades ago by a highway. The Brooklyn-Queens Expressway cuts off the Brooklyn waterfront from Carroll Gardens. Planners are suggesting three different plans involving more trees, sound barriers, and even so-called green canopies to reduce noise and pollution. Madeline Wills is with the Economic Development Corporation. She says the idea is to alleviate a nuisance for businesses and residents. Well, they call it the ditch, and it's very noisy, and it makes people not want to cross. The proposals could cost between $10 million and $80 million. Currently, there's no money set aside to make the changes. The deadline to comment on the EDC's website is December 1st. And finally, Leslie Nielsen has died. The actor went from high drama to inspired bumbling as the hapless pilot in Airplane. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Nielsen's agent said the 84-year-old actor died Sunday at a Florida hospital near his home in Fort Lauderdale, where he was being treated for pneumonia. Taking a look at today's calendar, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton embarks on a four-nation diplomatic swing through Central Asia and the Persian Gulf. The trip was planned long before the release of hundreds of thousands of sensitive diplomatic cables by WikiLeaks, though that is certain to be a major topic as Clinton visits Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, and Bahrain. It's Cyber Monday, the busiest online shopping day of the year, as retailers traditionally offer deep online discounts. 
And beginning today and for the next two weeks, the world's nations debate how to mobilize money to cope with global climate change. 15,000 government delegates, environmentalists, business leaders, journalists, and others gather in Cancun, Mexico for the annual conference. This morning, Secretary of Education Arne Duncan joins conservative leaders and educators by telephone for a press conference hosted by conservatives for comprehensive immigration reform to call for passage of the DREAM Act. It would provide a pathway for citizenship for undocumented students who have been in the U.S. for years. Meanwhile, here in the city, immigrant youth and supporters rally behind passage of the DREAM Act at 1 p.m. at Father Duffy Square on Broadway at 47th Street. And finally, Mayor Bloomberg joins Health and Hospitals Corporation President Alan Aviles at Kings County Hospital in Brooklyn to announce STAT, a five-borough music and arts festival created to raise money for the city's public hospitals. Just some of what's happening this Monday. Later today, the state legislature will convene a special session called by Governor Patterson. One item on the agenda is a plan to save off-track betting. WNYC's Mark Garber has more. The troubled state agency has received concessions from its unionized workers and its creditors in measures resulting in a bill already rejected by lawmakers. New York City OTB president and CEO Greg Rayburn says that if the legislature doesn't act today... The, the failure uh, to have uh, the, the bill passed and therefore to be able to enact those changes uh, puts us in a position where we effectively just run out of cash in a very short term, uh, short term meaning December. OTB chairman Larry Schwartz says that would be bad news for 700 OTB workers. Probably Tuesday... Letters will go out to its employees, notify them of the closing of the, of the corporation. If OTB does go under, Schwartz says, the state will become burdened with about a half billion dollars in OTB insurance, pension, and debt liabilities. For WNYC, I'm Mark Garber. In the past, when Ireland's economy suffered, many Irish came to New York to find work. But with Ireland's current downturn, WNYC's Marianne McCune reports they're more likely to head elsewhere. Tens of thousands of Irish will probably leave their country over the next couple years, and Neil O'Dowd of the New York-based paper The Irish Voice says they'll likely choose London, Canada, and Australia. Immigration policies in Canada and Australia are designed to attract skilled workers, and Irish immigrants tend to fit the bill. The U.S. issues relatively few skilled worker visas, so many of the Irish who moved here in recent decades did so illegally, and O'Dowd says that's less likely to happen now, with the U.S. deporting more immigrants than ever. The word is out Ireland that this is a very unwelcome country to immigrants, unfortunately, and that the Irish need not apply, essentially. O'Dowd is among immigrant advocates pushing the U.S. to issue more work visas and a path to legalization for people here without papers. For WNYC, I'm Marianne McCune. Matis Yahoo was probably the first Hasidic artist to break into the top 40 with his 2006 hit, King Without a Crown. He turned curious heads by combining biblical Jewish themes with hip-hop and roots reggae. Charming with his virtuosic beatboxing skills, Matthew Miller wasn't born into a Hasidic family. In fact, he's a self-confessed former fishhead. He converted to Hasidim later in life and currently lives in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Now Matis Yahoo is about to embark on his fifth annual Festival of Light tour. 
with a kickoff concert tonight at Williamsburg's Brooklyn Bowl. To download this live track for free, visit our culture page. Just click culture at WNYC.org. You can learn more about all the stories you heard here, download more podcasts, and go in-depth with our reporters on the news blog. That's all at our website, WNYC.org. You can hear us there 24 hours a day as well as on the air at 93.9 FM and AM 820. From the WNYC Newsroom, I'm Lance Lucky. Have a great day. Sweet chariot, the flame changed my name now. Nah, was always the same. And a funny what you find when you climb. I check the radio again, but all that shines is the time I line. So make your mind work overtime. But along the lines, you'll have to pay for the